welcome to Archive Treasures, where we delve into the collection of the Trentham and Districts Historical Society to see what treasures we can discover. Each episode of Archive Treasures, we will be speaking to a member from the Historical Society. They will be telling us about something special, an object that has been preserved as part of the archival collection, an interesting event that occurred, or a project that the Society is undertaking. Archive Treasures is produced on Jajawarong country. We acknowledge and pay respects to the traditional owners, and we would also like to extend our respects to their elders, both past and present. Today, Sue Worthington and I are once again down at the historic Trentham Police Complex, home of the Historical Society. As promised in the last episode, Sue is going to tell us about the history of the complex and how it came to be the heart and the headquarters of the Historic Society. Welcome back to Archive Treasures, Sue. Thanks, Rosie. Nice to be here. As I said, we're down here at the Ops again at 3 Camp Street, the old police station complex. This was gazetted back in 1860s and it's become the base of the Historical Society. Tell us a bit more about the site, Sue. Yes, as you say, it is really the heart of the Historical Society. And the reason it is so is we've been very fortunate. We were very fortunate because in the 1980s, Sergeant Jack Burke, who was the sergeant in charge of Trentham from 61 to 88, saw the value of the site as something to be protected in subsequent in subsequent Subsequently. <laughs> Subsequently, that's it. Subsequently, it has been described as an, as an important heritage site, mostly because of the comprehensive range of early building types that are here. And many of these buildings have been here since, as you say, it was gazetted in the 1860s. So really, it's all thanks to Sergeant Jack Burke that the site has been preserved at all. It was largely to take over from his protection that the Historical Society was formed in 1987. And uh, the historical came on board and finally became the Committee of Management in 1992 for the site. So, as I say, the, the, the heritage value of the site is being recognised and the recognition is largely due to the number of buildings on site and the fact that these buildings all were probably many, a number of them originally sited here but were also a unit of use, if you know what I mean. It was a... They, they were real, weren't they? They weren't just here... I mean, we look at it now and it's it's a great place to visit and it's historic. But when they were sighted, there that, was, a that function. was actually, yes, it was, they were functional. They were here yeah. as functional units, not as what we now view as historic exactly. mementos of the past. Exactly. <laughs> so, so the site was actually, as you say, gazetted in 1865. And it is thought that it's certainly what in, in, to our 21st century eye looks like a sweet little cottage on the uh, at the front of the site of the police offices. It's thought that... That was one of the early buildings and the single cell building at the back. They were both thought to be here in 1866 when it was gazetted and it was a police camp before then. One of the many interesting things about these buildings is that they are largely portable. Certainly the cells were portable buildings in that they were designed to be transported from one site to another. And being portable, it means that there is some difficulty in actually ascertaining the age of each of the buildings. We know, we think we know, that the single cell, as I mentioned, was erected on this site in the 1865. Interestingly, all the boards are numbered to facilitate easier construction of the building, 
on site so that it's... The original Ikea by the sound of it. That is exactly what it was. But I think without the Allen keys. Oh, thank goodness. Yes, so the single cell was certainly a portable building and certain evidence that it was here in 1865, uh, as I say the little police office was as well. Police offices at the moment is a, a three-room building. At one point, one of those very small rooms was the single man's quarters during the 1930s and 40s for the police who were stationed here. Interestingly, the police stationed in Trentham in the early days were required to work on horseback, known then as troopers and then, yep. you know, formally and, and later as um, I thought I'd, I'd thought trooper was an American term, but it seems to be a term that I've seen around the archives. Well, Mounted troopers were right. the local well, bobbies. Exactly. We think of, well, see Matilda, mm. down came the troopers, one, oh, two, three. True. So that was definitely an element of our early history. Real was, outback stuff, isn't it? <laughs> was the presence of the troopers and the mounted police. Constable Tom Rowe was the last policeman to complete his full term at Trentham Police Station. And actually, Trentham was the last police station in um, the state to have a mounted man appointed. I was here. just thinking in the storm we recently had, a mounted trooper would have been quite useful with all the roads blocked. That it would have sometimes old was good. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been extremely useful. And of course, you know, having spoken about the mounted police, one of the most interesting buildings I think on site, I, and I do think that this suite of buildings is a really interesting combination in any event, but one of them is the um, stable and tack room at the back. The brick floor on the stable is quite exquisite. And well, again, mm. this is the 21st century eye looking at it through mm. a rosy prism. I don't imagine any of these buildings were regarded as exquisite at the time, but the brick floor is most notable in the stable and the tack room. And it's thought both of them were constructed in um, 1865 mm. at the time of the police residence at the front. What do they call it? They call it the lattice fanlight structure. There's a timber lattice above the sides of the door of the stable with glazed fanlight and also above the tack room door. It'll be um, nice when people are able to visit again to actually look at some of these features again. As, exactly, um, exactly. One day COVID will be gone and the ops will be open. <laughs> open once more. Hopefully yes. in this coming summer we yes. live in hope. The other interesting building is the double rod and slab cell, which was the double cell up at the back mm. there. Now, there's this... a story about that or how it came. Well, there's lots of stories actually well, about it, isn't there? There are. Uh, yes. There there are. There was one about how it was decided it was required, I yes, believe. Yes, that's right. In 1879, on a Monday afternoon, I'm reading here as I speak to you from the Kyneton Guardian of 1879, a report of a disturbance that occurred at the store of Mr W Dashwood at Loddon Crossing on the Dalesford and Carlsruhe Railway Works. Apparently, there was a bit of a riot amongst the navvies who were working on the railway line up to Dalesford. They took upon themselves to roll out casks of beer from the uh, general store, began drinking and helping themselves to all that was available, and had a right old good time. Jolly good time. <laughs> yeah, had a right old good time, that's right. And I, I, I gather that two constables from Trentham were dispatched to sort of take control and in the end arrested 17 men who they then transported back to Trentham. It's a long way to bring them back. It is a long way mm. to bring them back. Well, mm. there were 17 men and I gather there was one woman who ended up up at Castle, Maine and later reports suggest she was a woman of some ill repute. Oh, right. Um, And she was definitely not 
housed with the 17 men in a single cell. <laughs> the party at, could have continued it otherwise. Could have. And the, so if you take one little look at the single cell at Trentham and think to yourself, it was a February, apparently quite a warm February night, and the 17 men had to spend the night standing up because you will appreciate when you, if you are able to come and visit our site, you'll appreciate that a single cell is very small and uh, there's very little room to sit, let alone mm. lie, if you lock 17 men up. On a hot summer's night. On a hot summer's night. <laughs> Who've had a skinful. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So there was some sort of reaction to this in that, well, perhaps it's time that Trentham got something other than a single cell. Yeah, the uh, need was there. The mm. need was there. But whether actually the single cell was ever used for anything quite so quite so crowded, as it were, history does not relate. I think the other interesting thing about the double cell is that this sort of building, it's believed that these sorts of cells were sent out from England during that gold rush as ballast. So there was clearly a need, they felt, for mm. some sort of disciplinary detention facility mm. for even in, even in a penal colony like Australia mm. during the gold rushes. So buildings of this double cell type were sent out as ballast in the ships from England during the gold rush. And this particular one is thought, as I say, to have come to us in 1879, another portable, likely constructed on site, following the IKEA fashion, and it is thought it had previously been in Kyneton. But that's right. the that's the interesting thing about the single cell. We have no knowledge of where it came to Trentham from. So while we might say that it's was constructed here on site in 1865, we don't really know where it came from, whether this was its first construction or whether it was a facility somewhere mm. else. And that, as I say, is the difficulty in trying to date these portable buildings. Mm. Yes, looking at the double cell, it's very solid. The timber and the, the metal components, no one was going to get out in a hurry no, from what I believe. No, indeed. And um, they, they really are quite sobering. It's really quite a sobering building to look at and to think about the, uh, the constraints of being incarcerated in one of these. Apparently, there is some discussion about how unique these are. There are thought to be three other single cells of the type that we've oh, got okay. here in Victoria, one in Mansfield one in Munambul and one in Chewton, records suggest that there's only one other double cell of this type, and that's in Western Australia, but oh, I'm, okay. I'm unsure where. Mm. So having both on site is actually quite a significant historical artefact, I mm. guess. Indeed. Um, yes. Again, as we reiterate, that it's having these buildings together as a cohesive suite of buildings that were likely to have been here from 1865 that makes this of certainly regional significance and the it is thought that the cells are of some state and national significance mm. as well. Another story that does the rounds or that we've come mm. across recently yeah. in the early days again in the 1870s a local policeman had to rescue his own child yes. rather than someone else's. <laughs> yes I think it's indicative more of the terrain around here and the life around here and how Trentham, as we as we know, wasn't essentially a gold town and was servicing mm. the gold fields to some extent in Blackwood and surrounds. There was some gold in the area, but mostly Trentham was a timber town, and of course the timber was vital not only for building construction but for maintaining the, the mines and the settlements around the mines. There was always this danger of mine mines, shafts. Mm, mine yeah. shafts, they're, they're still to this day actually problematic, Abs aren't they? Yeah, they are. You hear Absolutely. the odd incident? Yeah. Yes. Didn't have the SES back then, I guess, to rescue people <laughs> or dogs. Indeed. And to be perfectly honest, there aren't a lot of details about this. It's just mentioned in passing that Constable Hogan, was it? That's Constable right. Hogan? That's yes. right. Had to 
And I think you've got the details of the yes. depth of the um, um it was It was a mine and his child doesn't say the age of the child. No. 1878, a child falls into a mining hole yeah. 24 foot deep. So let's say that's about six metres. Mm. So significant. But more importantly, well, that's bad enough, 12 foot depth of water. So that's... There was a lot. There was, there was a lot. It was there's a lot of danger of inherent in that whole yes, situation. Yeah. So not only the depth of the mine, but the the fact that it was full of water and history being so full of anecdote and also the nature of our history is that a lot of these sorts of things weren't recorded. They were handed down from memory over generation mm. to generation as something that happened to great uncle so and so or so yes. and so. So there is not not a lot of detail about this incident, but it it is indicative of the sort of dangers that faced not just the people who resided here but the people who policed the people mm. who resided here it was a and, and perhaps that's because there isn't a lot of evidence that again may be indicative of that was just par for the course absolutely that was the environment you were living in absolutely it was an, we're, we're, yes, an, an everyday event yes, almost yes mm. just maybe because it was the local bobby's daughter or i think daughter it said uh, but child have. That there is mm. a story and that has, because it was actually an audio version of it that I heard. So, mm. Mm. look, I'm I'm hoping that that will give people a taste yes. of the old police complex site, which really is a very it's a again I'm falling into twenty first century adjectives. It's a delightful site to visit. It wouldn't have been a delightful site to visit in the 19th century, perhaps into the 20th century. Yes, seeing some of the photos from when it was a single man's quarters, it was primitive, wasn't it? It was primitive and harsh, and the little police station at the moment we've managed to retain it with some of the sort of processes and reflective of Mm. the processes and the um, uniforms and the memorabilia of of its life as a police station. So it's a, a really interesting little building to visit and a wander around the outbuildings, the two cells and the tack room and the stables are really worthwhile. And back to our little archive storage centre that we were talking about last yes. last yes. week, in the tradition of portable buildings, we feel that we are now um, adding to the historic site by bringing in a 21st century portable. So there is some sort of thematic gum continuity going on here. There was a saying tossed around at the group yesterday or recently, a Winston Churchill saying from Michael, I believe, that we shape our buildings and afterwards our buildings shape us. Mm. And I think that's quite relevant to the historical society and the op site at the moment. Absolutely, so, yeah. Yes. And the shaping is occurring both ways. Yes, it's speak. not a static thing, is it? No, no. never. Life evolves, everything evolves, <laughs> even right. his history evolves. That's right. Okay, well, thanks, Sue. That's been good. And I hope people enjoy our, the stories from the past. Mm. Some of these stories give you an insight into how tough life really was. Really was. And, and although it wasn't a Goldfields area, it, uh, that was the environment, that was the life at the time. So. That, that's what it was servicing. I think this is a really, this is such an interesting area mm. um, historically, not to mention beautiful area and environmentally, but it really is a wonderful place to pop in if you, for all those who may not be Trentham residents, who may come up and you know take part in our little village of a weekend. After you've had your lunch, after you've wandered yes, up and down the, we're only the one high street, st- one street off the main street. <laughs> after you've looked at the the photos in the windows that we hope will yeah. be eventually up, it's a lovely little spot to wander, whether we're open or not. It's worthwhile. Um, Actually, and that's a good point. You can't get in while we're not open, but even not being able to get inside, there's still quite a lot to see, and the signs up exactly, um, and it's a lovely grassed area. 
No. Yes, and yeah. it's only going to get better too. So I think Trentham and the Historical Society really do owe a debt of gratitude to Jack Burke mm. for having the foresight Definitely. when the police station moved to Cosmo Road to the new premises, having the foresight to actually prevent the loss of what is now mm. such an important collection no of buildings. So, no yeah. doubt at all. Okay, thank you, Sue, and we'll talk to you again another day about another topic, no doubt. Thank you, Rosie. It's been a pleasure. You have been listening to stories from within the archives. I'm Rosie Hill, and this is Archive Treasures. If you would like to hear further episodes, you can find our podcasts on our website, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Podbean app. Archive Treasures is produced by the Trentham and Districts Historical Society. If you'd like to contact us, you can send an email to hs at trentham.org.au or go to our Facebook page, Trentham and Districts Historical Society Australia. I hope you can tune in next time for more archive treasures. Music